That is the fantastic sound of the gumbo-infused rockabilly swing with a dash of Latino sound of four-piece Ruby D and the Snake Handlers. On bass, yes, the big doghouse double bass, Rick Watson, and drums, Michael Band. Today's guests are the incredible Ruby D. Philippa with the pipes, voice extraordinaire, and on lead guitar from Rockabilly Heaven, Jorge Harada. A warm welcome to Ruby D. and the Snake Handlers, the Better Each Day podcast radio show. Got what from playing by where you've been. What you do when I am who you see. I know my friend wasn't telling me lies. But what they told me was a hard surprise. Why do me so when you were gone? Sleeping around like it was nothing wrong. On the mattress like a driving train. Lower the hand and driving me and that Ruby D. Is that your everyday yeah. name? People just call you Ruby D? Ruby. They call me Ruby. Ruby? Ruby D. That sounds like a, a song name, actually, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does to be. There's, isn't there a song called Ruby D? There should be. Uh, Jorge, what, how many songs are there? With- well, Rock and Roll Ruby is the one that comes to mind. Yeah, that's the only one I came up that's, with. That's too. an old dumb side. It, it should be written. I'll write it for you, okay? And then Ruby, don't let your love take your love to town or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, Kenny uh, Rogers said that that was right after he got divorced and he was still just fresh out of first edition and he recorded that song and it was like went to number one and this is where I heard this. He said uh, he said success is the finest revenge. I'm babbling here. So Jorge, no, 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 that's a good, good quote. Jorge, you're the guitar player. Yes, sir. What kind of guitar do you play? I play a couple. Uh, I have a Gretsch 6120, uh, Nashville Western. That's primarily the, the one that I play, a big hollow body. Mm-hmm. And uh, play a you know bunch of Telecasters as well. Uh, baritone sometimes on some of the cuts, like on the records. But primarily the Gretsch is my, my go-to. Because he's a Gretchen Dorsey. So. <laughs> oh, he is. He's the poster child. Oh, no, I've been playing Gretsch guitars for about 30 years. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, that's primarily my go-to guitar is the one that I that I play most of the time. Yeah, the first time I heard a guitar that as a solo instrument was a Gretsch. It was Chet Atkins. Oh, yeah. And man, he could play. <laughs> or he just went to go get another chair. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. In case the music yeah. stops. I'm going to read a quote here. You were what I believe. And you're talking about the musicians in the band. And you say, it's not just about the music we make together, though. These are three of the nicest, most genuine human beings, as well as talented dudes you could ever hope to play with. And I'm lucky to get to play with them all the time. 
That's pretty good. Yep. Yeah, I can't beat that. No, not at all. I and that's how I feel pretty much after every show. <laughs> that's great. That's good to hear. I think uh, a lot of times musicians are together a long time, and I think they sort of rub on each other after a while. But you've been playing together how long? Well, Jorge and I have been playing together for 18 years, 17 years. Wow. And, and yeah, and so we've had a lot of incarnations of the band, a lot of different um, rhythm sections um, that we've either have come and gone or that we've played with as, you know, pickup, backing folks over the years. But um, the gents that we're playing with now, we've been playing with the bass player, Rick Watson, for a um, couple of years. And um, Mr. Michael Band, the drummer, uh, just joined us less than a year ago. And it's just the the chemistry is what you dream about. Your music is, I, I want to say retro, but it just never dies. I mean, it, it's the coolest thing you can play, I think. You guys are great. Thank you. Thank you. Where are you located? Sure. Well, we live in Austin. Uh, when, we, when Jorge and I first met and started playing music together, that was in Seattle. Okay. Uh, 17 years ago. So, um, but we've been here in Austin for 11 years. Is that right? Austin is kind of a music mecca. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of amazing players who come out of here and who live here or come through here anyway. You know, it's, it's kind of a hub. Um, more of a, a like a, a musician, uh, like a, a player's, Mecca than, say, Nashville, which is more about being a backing person. You know, there's a handful of people who are the front people there, and then there's everybody else works behind the scenes. Oh, that's good. Well, there's work for everyone. Yeah. Not so much Austin anymore. You'd be surprised. There's We have a number of friends who have actually moved away from Austin because it's becoming unaffordable. Oh. Um, prices are going up, and so you know, working musicians can't really afford to rent or buy here, let alone make a living here it's it's hard being a musician is a challenging situation no matter where you live already yeah so before we get to the music you have a cookbook <laughs> i think that's the coolest thing ever it's ruby's juke joint americana cookbook and i'm going to put links to everything on the website so oh sweet everything ruby okay how did that come about uh, well, um, one of the songs that we're going to talk about is actually related to the cookbook. I was in a really bad accident, uh, 12 years ago and, uh, coming up soon, um, 12 years ago. And, uh, I suffered a traumatic brain injury and amongst the other side effects, the nausea and the, the vertigo oh, and, man. and being disoriented all the time and, and, confused and not being able to remember my friend's name and stuff like that. Um, I also had a really difficult time with language. I couldn't remember words, I could, and I, so I could barely really speak. Um, I could see the picture of the thing in my head, but I couldn't get the word out of my brain to my mouth, out of my mouth. And so um, I started doing word exercises and word games, and then I started writing, uh, writing stories because I was having a really hard time. I couldn't, you know, if I, and I would sit there for hours and hours trying to think of a word that was in my head, like a sofa. I couldn't say the word sofa. I couldn't get it onto the paper. Um, so then I would switch the couch and then move along. And finally I realized I was cheating. I wasn't really giving my brain the exercise that it finally needed with story writing. So 
I started writing my recipes that friends and family had been asking me to write down for years. And that took me about a year to get just those recipes out from that are in the cookbook. Um, but it was really good exercise and, and kind of kick-started my cognitive ability again. And I started being able to write songs um, about, you know, a year or two after that. So it was, it was all... It was all part of the, the healing process, writing the book and then being able to write songs again. So, and, and the song that we're going to talk about is the song that I wrote about having that injury and being able to come back from it. And the title of that song is? Who You Think I Am. Because here's the thing. You have a head injury. It's not like a broken arm or you know a gash in your body somewhere. People can't see it. It's completely hidden, but it's always there, and it really affects who you are in the world. There were things that I said and did that really disconcerted people and they thought that I was doing it on purpose or being not nice um, on purpose. And I wasn't. I was just being somebody with a head injury who was forgetting things or forgetting I'd promised something and then not following up on it. And and even though I tried to apologize, um, they wouldn't hear any of it because I looked fine. And I'm, in most instances, I was able to get by with, you know, talking to friends and being able to seem fine. But this head injury, it's 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 a horrible, it's a hard, hard thing, and it's hidden. So, who you think I am is about having that hidden injury, and you know, it's not. I, I'm not doing what you think I'm doing. I'm not who you think I am.
song and i'm so glad that uh, you shared that with us oh thank you yeah it's it's one of my favorites actually the band does a really great job of playing it did you write that uh, yourself on a on an instrument or how do you go about writing usually i can pick a few notes on the guitar but i'm not um a player of an instrument by any means so what i do is i i write the song in my head i write down the lyrics and i and i have the music um, and I'll pick out, okay, that's a C, that's a G, that's a B minor, whatever, and then I'll bring it to Jorge and I'll say, I think this is a C, can you help me? And <laughs> and he helps me fine-tune, you know, exactly what it is that I'm singing. Um, he says, that, you know, I have to back up and sing it again, and then he helps me figure it out. And then he'll add something, you know, he'll stop and go, wait, this is a place for a bridge, and we'll, we'll suddenly write a bridge and insert that. But um, I use my phone to write my songs actually. Oh really? <laughs> I'll sing into the phone and then and then I'll bring it to Jorge and we'll finish it up and bring it to the band. Wow. So Jorge, is she easy to work with? Can you figure out what she's talking about when she brings you some uh, song that's just kind of half baked? Uh, be so, nice. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Be, be kind, yeah. Sometimes it's really sometimes it's really easy. Uh you know like on this last recording, uh one of the songs on there not for long that was completely finished. You know, I didn't have to do anything. It's, you know, she brought me the the melody, the main riff of the song, the melody, the words, everything was completely finished. All I had to do was just kind of assemble it. And, uh, and, and I was like, wow, that was easy. On some other ones, like the, like, um, um, Little Black Heart? No, um, yeah, yeah, Little Black Heart is, uh, it required a little bit more finesse. You know, we kind of had, she had a chorus and and uh, kind of a verse. I recorded it onto the laptop, and I, I, I that took a couple months actually. I worked on that for a while, and then uh, I ended up writing a bridge that she put lyrics to that kind of tied the whole thing together. So, in some instances, it's really easy. You know, she'll bring me the whole thing that's finished and then um, fully crystallized, and then in, in other instances, it requires a little bit more work on on my end that I kind of have to. Uh, take a, a, an idea that's a little bit more nebulous and and kind of put it together into something. Well, that, that's cool. You've learned how to work <laughs> with each other on that. But now I'm going to segue back to the cookbook. Is she a good cook? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I am extremely fortunate that... that uh, but you know, I mean, you shouldn't be making jocular remarks. But yeah, she's an outstanding, she's an outstandingly good cook, actually. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am extremely fortunate that I get to have a gourmet meal every night of the week. It's amazing. Oh. 
Yeah, we don't go out very often because uh, I'll, I'll get an idea about something that I'm craving, you know, a really good steak or or some peanut chicken or something like that. And instead of going out to get it, I know how to make it even better than maybe a lot of restaurants would do it. And so I'll I'll get all the ingredients and I'll make it myself. And, you know, we don't plate it up where it's all high and tall and fancy. It's just It's just a good-looking meal, and it tastes incredible. And it's easy to do if you know what you're doing. <laughs> That's awesome. If you ever need another guitar player, let me know. I'll join the band because <laughs> just for some home cooking. When we used to tour um, in the States more, when we used to do, you know, band tours in the States, we just do fly-outs and we'll do, you know, a, a weekend in, a, in an area and then fly back home again. We don't do the, the big tours in the States anymore. But when we used to... I would pack. I would make cookies, or I'd make a spread, or some kind of something. To you know, we'd have a cooler, and we'd always have fresh something from home for the first half week, and then you know, and then it would be road food after that. But it was always something to get the the, the tour started right. Good strategy. Yeah, yeah. Keep them happy. Keep, <laughs> keep them happy. Them keep them healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. We used to do. Um, we used to teach touring workshops. We haven't done that in a while. But one of the things that we would talk about is, you know, drinking enough water and keeping healthy and not drinking too much and you know just and and making sure that you have good wholesome food when you're on the road because because it's so stressful. It is on your body otherwise. Yeah, and it's common yeah. sense, but for some reason it goes out the window sometimes. Common sense isn't as common as it should be. Well. Boy, we're that. musicians. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let's talk about Put You Down. Great song. Thank you. Um, I was... Here's the thing. When I when I get a uh, an idea for a song, I don't know where I'm going to be. I'll be walking down the street or at the grocery store or sitting in my backyard, whatever. And I'm so, sometimes I consciously think I'm going to write a song about this subject. But most of the time, most of the time, it's just a line pops into my head and it keeps repeating itself. And I and I go, that's a song. I got to write that down. Or a little ditty will pop into my head and I'll and I'll start, you know, scatting words to it until something comes together, until some kind of phrase comes together. You know, what does this feel like? Um, and that song puts you down. I was flying. I don't remember. I think I was flying back from visiting my grandmother and I read something in a magazine that just made me go click and and, and, a, and a line started repeating in my head and so I started writing this down singing to myself the lady in the seat next to me was not happy about it she wanted absolute silence and I was singing and singing and singing <laughs> no, the marshal <laughs> so came out I, I apologize to her in you know very much arrears <laughs> but yeah it was about somebody was in my life a long, long time ago. Somebody who was doing things behind my back who they shouldn't have been doing. It wasn't Jorge. Um, long, long time ago, and and they were lying about it. And I heard about it much later. And that's what the song's about. It's about you know I heard that you've been doing stuff that isn't right, and here's what I got to say about that to you. You know, it's universal. Anybody who's ever gone through something like that, when they hear after the fact that somebody wasn't doing them right all the things they wish they could say to them, that's, that's in that song.
thing to, to write a song about it's so cool that uh, when you were uh, undergoing the trauma after your accident you had writing i think writing's underrated as far as a, a way to make your brain work a way to deal with things well music too the doctors say that um continue, the doctors told me that continuing to sing uh even though i then and ever since then have needed my lyric sheets in front of me because i'll be distracted really easily i'll be in the middle of a song even to this day and I'll, in the middle of the song, I'll suddenly get, you know, uh, somebody will move quickly or a light will flash and I'll go, what am I singing? Um, <laughs> and so, you, you, you keep going though, you just kind of <laughs> scat your way through it, huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, ask any, <laughs> or I sit back on the microphone and regroup and the guys just know to hang on one until I come back, which I, oh, again, uh, I'm really grateful for. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're back 100% now, right? I'm as close to 100% as I'm ever going to get, and I'm really, every day, I am grateful to be alive and grateful to be here and and happy that I have as much of my brain back as, I'm, as I have back. You know, it's still, I still get little flashes of, you know, I'll forget a song in the middle of it, or I'll be talking to somebody, and I'll look over at Jorge, and he'll have to remind me who they are. Hey, it's not that often, but it happens. And it happens more when you're tired. Yeah. 
yeah. everything you describe sounds normal to me. Maybe I better go have my <laughs> my head examined because I'm doing everyone. It's, yeah, and being tired or undernourished or any of those things can can really make it tough. But when you're on stage and you're playing in a in a band like you have the sound you have, there's really no safety net because everything's exposed. I think if you're doing it properly, and you you guys do it that way too. Yeah, everything has to be spot on. You all have to be great players, and you're doing it. And you guys look great too. Who, who picks Thank out your? You. Who, do you pick out your own clothes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's um, that's what I wear all the time, anyway. In fact, we went to a party the other night. Just you know, it was a nice little dress up party. It wasn't fancy, fancy, but I wore one of my stage dresses because that's the way I dress. That's who you are. And sometimes people, sometimes people ask us, "Are you guys in costume?" No, we're not. <laughs> what I wear to play is what I go to the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Loud and proud. Yeah, and yes, I dress Jorge. <laughs> you dress Jorge. <laughs> Wait, he's, looking, he's <laughs> looking good in the pictures that I'm seeing. You look like, a, and I mean this totally as a compliment, and I actually stole this from uh, George Lucas when he made American Graffiti, which is not necessarily the kind of music you play, but close. Uh, he wanted it to look like a jukebox. So if you look at that movie and all the colors in it, it was shot at night, but the cars and the people and the clothes and everything, it's extremely neon. It looks like a jukebox, like an old Wurlitzer. You guys kind of have that glow, you know? I've never heard that quote. Before. Well, That's you know, it, it's all, it, it's all uh, I mean, I don't know about Ruby, but for me, you know, I, I love how they used to dress like uh, country western people you know in the 50s yeah you know all that dude i i love all that dude cowboy stuff yeah you know, i love it yeah 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 i agree and and to me if you're an entertainer don't stop halfway do everything you know and live it and that's that's cool that you do that and it's great that you dress that way all the time everybody knows who you are and uh, there's nothing pretentious about it right right exactly jorge um do you practice every single day? Cause... I try to. I think it's a it's a cumulative thing. Um, you know, when when I've always got guitars out. You know, guitars are never in the cases; they're yeah. always out. Yeah. So, I think that you know, when you walk by one, you're more liable to pick one up and then just spend five minutes on it. You know, which eventually turns into ten, which eventually turns into thirty, and then by the end of the day, you put in a couple hours. And you don't even consider it practicing. You're just playing. It's like breathing. It, it's well. It's a bit undisciplined, but <laughs> it's. Uh, I think that for me, it's easier to put my hands on the instrument that way than it is to actually have something structured and sit down. But I'm always working on something. Uh, also, you know, when I'm working, when I'm not doing songwriting or, or, or working, you know, on actual music and I'm just doing mechanical stuff, you know, in front of the TV is a, is a great, great way to do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, if I'm just working on dexterity things or, or, or trying to get some difficult lick that needs to be played slow, I just do it in front of the TV uh, with an electric unplugged and it's quiet, doesn't make any noise. And I still get the, uh, you know, I'm still getting the, the, the muscle memory to to happen, and we do schedule uh, rehearsals between the two of us where we work on new songs or work at details on something that I've been picking around with, 
and then we also have rehearsals with the with the guys once a week or once every couple of weeks, depending upon our schedules. So you, you do rehearse kind of unplugged, then like sitting around the kitchen or wherever, and just kind of where you can hear each other. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's a good thing to do, I think. You you can hear. Yeah, yeah, and you can stop and talk, and there's there aren't distractions and everything. Yeah. Uh, they'll never replace one-on-one conversation either. All the wonderful things in technology, even doing this, is not like having you here talking to me, you know. Well, seeing facial expressions and, and then seeing how somebody's mouth works around the words, you know, it's, it's a nice thing to see somebody yeah. face-to-face. They, yeah. they say it's going to be a, a lost form of communication because of, texting and telephones and all that i don't know i want to live another hundred years just so i can see what happens because this has been a pivotal i don't know 20 years or so i think as far as technology coming into play and think about it think about the the generation that doesn't have that that art of conversation capability because because of texting it's interesting yeah well maybe it, it leads to something all better and everything i don't know i don't know i don't i i fear that, that i sound like my dad sometimes because with him music <laughs> music stopped right after world war ii so anything after that was just bastardized stuff so uh, even like perry como or I, I don't even know that he liked frank sinatra uh, but then when Elvis came out, he might as well have been Marilyn Manson. He, that guy's Satan, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> Elvis, and then the Beatles, those guys need haircuts. What They, they look like girls. You know? <laughs> and then you'll have to excuse my French on this one. I was sitting with him in a diner. This is about mm, maybe 65, something like that. And a guy with long hair walked by. What the hell is that? He might as well walk around with his cock hanging out. I'm like, Dad, I don't think it's quite that nice. that, that extreme. I don't know. It's like, geez, come on, Dad. And then later on, I had hair that was long, and it was pretty much commonplace by then. That was getting into the seventies and stuff. So he didn't say too much after that. But but I'm hoping <laughs> hope I don't turn. But he was thinking it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. It was fun. He got over it and bless his soul and. Rest in peace. And I'm never turning into my dad, I promise. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I could blab all day long here. But, and are you yeah, gonna be, thanks. Are you going to be playing up in the Seattle area? We were just up there um, uh, not too long ago playing at our really good friend, Ed. Um, let see. Here's my brain injury. Ed's last name. Maloney. Thank you. Um He's a really good friend, and I don't know his last name, but I do know it. Anyway, um, <laughs> he had a, a place called um, Highway 99 Blues Club, and we would play there, you know, once a year. We'd come up and stay with he and his wife and play there and put together some of the shows in the area. Um, so we were just up there uh, playing one of the last shows that was there before they had to close their doors because of what was going on with the, uh, the viaduct. Yeah, so I don't know when the next time is. We'll be up there, but well, you know, we'll be back for sure. We just don't know when. Okay, the viaduct is still an issue. It's torn down about up to the Coleman ferry docks right now, and uh, it's, it's not. It's not all the way torn down. No, no. Uh, ah. Those things, you know, they <laughs> they take a long time. <laughs> I lived in Seattle. Well, I'm currently up in Muckleteo, if you know where that is. Up north, yeah. north of Seattle. And uh, I lived in Seattle, I don't know, 11 years ago. And that's about when they started talking about doing the tunnel. And 
they just completed it. And I've lived in probably 10 places since the time warp. Yeah. But, you know, you just, I guess it takes a long time to dig a hole under a city. So I don't know anything about how to do that. No, yeah. <laughs> it would have been a disaster if I did it. Well, again, thank you. And uh, I'll be watching out for you guys. I'm sure you'll be playing up here sometime soon. So Yeah, we'll be back for sure. Okay. We'll, we'll keep it up. All right. All right. Jorge, Ruby, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Right. You have a good rest of your day. All right. All right. You too. Take care. All right. Bye. radio show with Bruce Hilliard. We'll be back with a new horizon, but until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. And we're all just trying to make the next day a bit better. <laughs>